Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Very quickly whipping my face mask off there. I forgot that I had it on. I'm just going to, I was going to irresponsibly fling it, but I won't do that. There we go. Thank you, darling. Uh, I know, what a guy, what a guy. Um, Hello in the room, hello online, Uh, really good to be with you this morning. Uh, And we are jumping, oh, I'm being, I'm shuffling, is that good? No, this way. Are you just making me dance, is that what it is? This way, this way. He's saying that way. Yes. (laughs) Sorry, if you're watching at home, you have no idea what's going on. Just going to rearrange the furniture. Oh, I see, is that what you meant? Yes. Okay. I'm going over here. I've got, just incidentally, I've got these very high wedges on. Last time I wore them was three years ago and I broke my foot. So high risk strategy, um, but you know, they go with the outfit. So I'm wearing them. Anyway, yes, a resounding yes from the ladies over there. Thank you. Uh, So we are in the third part of our series. Who's enjoying so far our series, Looking at the Fruit of the Spirit? Fantastic. Thank you. Brilliant. A resounded, COVIDly secure response in the room. Uh, And uh, if you're unfamiliar with the fruit of the Spirit, you can find them in Galatians 4, where Paul, sorry, five, Galatians 5, where Paul lists off these nine uh, fruit, these, these nine character traits, if you like, that will be at work in our lives when we choose to walk in step with the Spirit. Uh, and so we're up to number three. We've done love joy, and now we're up to peace. And if you haven't listened to Love and Joy, go back and listen to them. Track with us, uh, and we're going to head on through uh, over the next few weeks, and we're going to cover all nine of these really amazing, rich, rich character traits that we want to mine the depths of. So we're looking at peace, uh, and we're going to mix things up a little bit. I'm just going to do like a 10-minute whistle-stop tour on the fruit of peace, and then I'm going to invite up, hence the stools behind me, I'm going to invite up. Tim and Cookie, they're going to come up and I'm going to grill them about how uh, this fruit of peace outworks in their lives. So that's what's happening. And then we're going to pray together. Does that sound like a plan? Put yes in the chat if you are watching online. That's the direction of travel. So peace. Peace is the most extraordinary fruit. It it is just, peace is absolutely extraordinary. And if you have been following Jesus for a length of time, I don't know, sometimes it's kind of easy to take for granted what it feels like to have this peace, this peace that just comes from putting our trust in Him, this peace that comes from walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we can almost take it for granted. And I've been involved in Alpha. Um, Again, many of you watching and in the room will know what Alpha is. It's a great uh, space to explore some of the big questions of life, to make a journey uh, through faith, into faith in Jesus Christ. And I've had the privilege of leading Alpha groups for many, many, many years. And I have lost count of the number of people that I have heard who who didn't have faith, who have then encountered the risen Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And the first thing they say is, I just experienced the most amazing sense of peace. 
I have heard people say that so many times as they encounter the Holy Spirit for the first time. So what is peace? What is this word peace? Maybe we need to rethink or just take stock for a moment and lay aside perhaps some of us some of our preconceived ideas about what it is. And let's just have a look for a moment. As I said, whistle stop tour. What is peace? Peace comes from the Old Testament word shalom. You've probably heard that word. In fact, even today in the Middle East, it's it's like a greeting. It's how people say hi to each other. Shalom, shalom. Uh, and, uh, and if we try and translate the word into shalom, often it's translated as peace, obviously. Uh, but it, the essence of it is kind of untranslatable, as is often the case with these Hebrew words that we try and drag into the English language. Uh, and really, words that help us get a grasp of it would be wholeness, wholeness, connectedness wholeness within ourselves and a sense of wholeness and connectedness to the world around us. That's what we're getting at when we think about this word shalom. So shalom or peace isn't the absence of necessarily sort of tension as it were, but actually when we have an absence of shalom, what's going on is like a fragmentation. It's like a fragmentation or a brokenness. And we see this playing out in ourselves. We know, don't we, if we're honest with ourselves, particularly if we've allowed the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts uh, and within us, we know that there is a brokenness within us. We know that there are parts of who we are that are fragmented, that are broken. But we also know that when we look at the world around us, there is brokenness, there is fragmentation, there is disconnection. And so, as I said, shalom peace is is much more than just the, the absence of conflict as it were. It's the presence of wholeness and completeness and restoration. And then if we move into the New Testament, we come across this Greek word, irene, irene. Uh, And again, the translation for that is, the essence of it is like a binding together, a pulling together of broken parts, parts that have been separated and disconnected. This, this word, irene, it's like a pulling together, a drawing together. And then Jesus arrives on the scene. And not only does he say, I've come to bring peace, he says, I am peace. I am peace. That is the essence of who I am. I have come to draw you in, to pull people back together. And Paul in Ephesians 2 says this, Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. And of course, he's described as the prince of peace. Those verses that we often read around Christmas time, Jesus is the prince of peace. And so the fruit of peace, if you like, if we want to cultivate peace in our lives, then it's always in the soil of connectedness to Jesus. That is, that's like the beginning and the end of this talk. If you want peace, go to peace personified, Jesus Christ. We we find peace in the soil of connectedness to Jesus. So Jesus came, he came to bring connectedness, he came to restore, he came to to reconcile. Again, not just within us to bring reconciliation and restoration within us, but also within the world. 
within the world, the broken world that we see around us, because the gospel works vertically and horizontally. And sometimes I think as Christians, we can make the mistake of kind of just stopping at the vertical. You know, we, we discover a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, through his saving work on the cross, brought about reconciliation for us with the Father. We were cut off from the Father by our sin, but because of Jesus, we can now be reconnected. We can be reconciled to the Father. That is the vertical work of the gospel, but it doesn't stop there. It should never stop there because the gospel is also horizontal because as we have received reconciliation and restoration with God the Father, we then extend that out into the world. That's how it works. Ephesians 2 goes on to say, Jesus himself is our peace. He has made the two groups one. And in this context, Paul is talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, but of course, we could apply that now. In this city, in 21st century, he has made the two groups one. He has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to unify. Jesus, let's just think about that for a second. Jesus, son of God, his purpose was to unify, to create one new humanity. And so when the fruit of peace begins to grow in our lives, it works internally bringing about a healing, a restoration to the brokenness within us, but it also works externally, out in the world around us. I love that story uh, when Jesus encounters the woman who has been bleeding for many years. You know the, the one. And it's interesting, I, I hadn't really paid attention to this, but she reaches out, do you remember? She reaches out and she touches his cloak and she's healed. And, and Jesus realizes that something has happened, something has taken place. And what he says to her is, go in peace. That's what he says, go in peace. He says, go, go and live a whole life. Go and live a connected life because not only was there a brokenness within her, but, but because of her condition, there was a brokenness for her in her community. She would have been isolated, cut off, and so this go in peace, go, go in shalom, go in irene, is go, be, be made whole within yourself, but also within your community. That is the work of Jesus. And yet, how many of us can think of, even right now, can identify times or seasons in our lives where what we've experienced is a lack of peace? There's been a sort of a break in that sense of peace. It might be that you're here in the room or you're watching online and you feel that right now. You feel like a, a restlessness or an unrest within you. And it's like a lack of peace. And you, you can identify it right now. You recognize it right now. And it might be that what you feel is a disconnection from God. That's what you're feeling. And, and just to be clear, God does not withdraw himself. God does not disconnect from us. But sometimes, even subconsciously, unconsciously, we can find ourselves disconnecting from God. We do the disconnecting work. Maybe that's what you're feeling. You feel like you've pulled away from God for some reason. Maybe for some of us, we feel this sort of lack of peace within ourselves. It's just within us. Or, or we feel kind of at odds with the world around us. Maybe the lack of peace comes uh, from a sense of disconnection with a, a particular relationship in our lives right now. And, and just to say, I said this last week, 
when we talk about these things, we get it, like life can be really complicated. And we never want to stand up here and offer kind of glib, simple solutions. Sometimes the solutions aren't easy or straightforward or quick. It can take time, it can take process. But there's a moment, you see, that comes. And I'm going to end this with this before I invite these guys up. There's a moment that comes when we experience a lack of peace, where we have a choice. We, we have that sense, like, that there's something not quite, I'm lacking peace, and we have a choice in that. And I really believe that this is like a key to, to Christian maturity. This is a key to growing in maturity uh, as followers of Jesus. What do we do? What do we do in that moment, or, or maybe a season where we feel this lack of peace? What do we do? Do, do we cover it up? Do we sort of pretend it's not there, ignore it? Do we squash it down, like bury it, bury it as deep as we can? Do we just busy ourselves and distract ourselves so that we're not aware of it all? Do we numb it? Do we self-medicate with things like our, our, our go-to, whether that's shopping or drugs or porn or whatever addiction it might be that helps us to sort of numb and self-medicate that lack of peace? We try and treat it ourselves under the illusion that it's going to go away somehow? Do we try to control everything else in our lives so that we create this sense of illusion that we're in control? Or do we go to the Prince of Peace? Do we go to the one who, who knows all, who is the personification of peace? And let me tell you this, because I, I think this is really key. Sometimes, sometimes the Holy Spirit uses that lack of peace within us to highlight something that isn't right in our lives, something that has become fragmented. And this is the key. If we pay attention to it, it is an invitation from the Holy Spirit. If we experience that lack of peace, we have a choice. What are we going to do in that moment? Do we go to the Prince of Peace or do we try and manage it on our own? And the Holy Spirit is saying, I know what you're feeling. Come to me and let's work through this together. We experience a lack of peace and we go to the Prince of Peace. It's an invitation. So we press in to the Holy Spirit or we run away. And when we go to the Prince of Peace, we, we, when we choose to walk in step with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, again, by his grace, helps us to diagnose what is the cause. What is, that, what is the cause for that lack of peace? Is it sin in our lives? Is it idolatry? You know, are we putting something else on the throne of our lives are we worshiping something other than Jesus and that's causing a lack of peace? Is it fear or anxiety? Do we feel out of control? That's what's creating that lack of peace. Are there unanswered questions, prayers that feel like they're unanswered and that feels like it's creating a lack of peace? Is that, is that it? Is it unforgiveness? Is there someone in our lives that we're withholding forgiveness and that's the issue? Is it resentment or bitterness that has taken root? Maybe towards God, towards someone else. Is it duplicity, pretense? Are we, are we leading a a bit of a double life? Are we comparing us? Are we stuck in comparison or, or striving to be someone else? Is it disunity? Is there a relationship that is broken that needs attention? Is it prejudice? Is it contempt? Are we holding prejudice and contempt towards somebody or towards a people group in our hearts and that's creating a lack of peace? So we walk in step with the Holy Spirit and by that we're, we are then given this opportunity to go to the Prince of Peace, 
to have the broken parts fixed, to receive forgiveness for ourselves, to receive the forgiveness that we can extend to someone else, to receive the healing, to receive the healing, but, uh, to receive the freedom. But also walking in step with the Holy Spirit allows us to see what's broken in the world around us, to see what's fragmented in the world around us, in our relationships in the city that we live in, in the street that we live in. And the Holy Spirit commissions us to be peacemakers. That, that's what we're commissioned to be. As we receive the fruit of peace, we're then commissioned to be peacemakers. And peacemaking is not the avoidance of healthy conflict. Peacemaking is not... It's not the absence of disagreement even. It's certainly not tolerance to, to things that are untrue or unjust. That's not what peace is. To be a, a peacemaker is to find ways, to find these pathways to facilitate reconciliation, reconnection, to be the water on the fire of disunity. That's what it means to be a peacemaker. Romans 12 says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Tim and Cookie, why don't you guys come up? We're just going to quickly move this table out of the way. Um, or maybe, geez, Cookie, you're amazing. Thank you. There we go. Grab a seat. Smooth transition there. <laughs> um, you guys will know Tim, and you're getting to know Cookie through Hosting Church Online. Cookie uh, is the most wonderful woman uh, who I have got to know, she is, true, uh, over the last year or so, and uh, thank you for being part of this discussion. Uh, she is so full of wisdom, as you will discover. Uh, no, no pressure. No, there is no pressure. Um, but I just, I, I just thought, and I mean Tim. Tim's got some good things to say, hasn't he? Yeah. Definitely. Um, so I'm going to start with you, Cookie. Why don't you tell us? Uh, I'm going to ask you how you have cultivated peace in your life, just with the backdrop of recognizing that this, this fruit of peace, peace is like a gift, right? You know, we, we walk in step with the Holy Spirit and we receive peace, but there's also an intentionality. And that's the tension, right? We, we also have to be intentional. So how have you been intentional about cultivating peace in your life? Yeah, I think it's definitely hard <laughs> because there's a lot of things in the world, in your personal life, that's like, oh, so stressful. But I think for me personally, it's actually remembering who God is and what he's capable of doing. I think when I'm in such a tense or anxious kind of state, the most helpful thing for me in terms of cultivating peace is going back and being and seeing like, oh, God pulled me through in this situation. This was what he said here. This is what he did. I stepped out and trusted him here and he didn't let me down. I just think memory is so powerful. Like even, I just think I had such a bad experience with salmon, right? <laughs> with this old lady when I was younger and it's imprinted now, I, I hate it because it's like, I remember what that was and it has such a big impact on 
how I feel in the present. And so I think for me, it has been going back and remembering, okay, God, when I stepped out here, even if I don't feel peace, I have to choose to go back and be like, where is the evidence of when God brought me through anyway? And that's what gives me the peace in the present. So I think that's how I try to cultivate it. Amazing. And Tim, how does, how does peace play out in your life? Well, I think it's important to understand um, peace isn't absence. It's not escapism. I think sometimes the world is on this massive quest to find peace. Everyone wants to kind of, you know, find that inner um, calm. And often the way the world thinks you have to do it is by escaping everything. You know, that's why things like yoga or meditation, none of which are necessarily wrong but if it's all about emptying the mind this idea that we you know we get rid of the clutter get rid of all the distractions the only way you'll ultimately find peace is living on some kind of desert island away from everyone and anyone but that's gosh that sounds wonderful actually, <laughs> well but it's, it's not the it's, uh, it's not obviously realistic so I think absence isn't what peace is peace is about bringing Jesus into the present into the midst of the troubles and the calm I love this peace isn't the absence of trouble it's the presence of Jesus in the midst of the trouble and so I've had to try and learn when I'm walking through difficult things a stressful thing at work or a health scare or a relational complexity or financial worry um, it's not to ask God take it away take it away take it away but God bring your peace, bring your presence, bring your calm, bring your wisdom, bring your life, bring your hope, bring your perspective, bring your sight in the midst of that. Um, I I was looking at um, the moment where Jesus first appears to the disciples in the upper room and they've just been through literally hell, awful. You know, the Messiah, the one that they thought was going to save the world, transform everything, is crucified on a cross. They're hiding away, terrified that they're going to get killed. They have no idea what's going to go on. They feel like their whole last three years has been a lie. And Jesus just suddenly appears before them. And uh, what is it? The first thing he says, this is John 20, 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, so they're in the midst of fear, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, what is the first thing that Jesus says after his resurrection to the disciples? It's this, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, showed them the reality of the pain of crucifixion. Uh, The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And I just love that. I think that sense of Jesus in the midst of all their troubles, anxieties, uncertainty, I'm here to bring you peace. But also, I think the second time he uses that, you know, peace is because he's saying what I'm calling you to what I'm sending you out to do is going to be terrifying it's going to test you actually they don't know it at the time but many of them are going to be crucified themselves they're going to be martyred you know I'm calling you to a painful complicated uncomfortable life but I'm not sending you out on your own I'm sending you with my presence the spirit of God which will bring peace which will bring peace so I I, and I I think in some of the ways I've learned to try and cultivate this peace in the midst of tr- troubles is worship. Again, worship is 
Um, it's never about, if you ever hear people, or you're ever part of worship where it's about trying to escape the world, be very, very wary. You know, worship isn't escaping the world. Worship is bringing the kingdom of God into the heart of our world. And, and that's why we spend so much time singing these songs. It's not because we all love looking at Taku and Michael, uh, although some of us might think that. Uh, it, it's actually about reminding ourselves who God is, you know, giving a a perspective. And so that's a significant part of how I find peace. But but the other thing is is scripture. I don't know if you remember, um, a few weeks ago we had Muchtaba who came and he spoke about being imprisoned in Iran because of his faith. And there was a moment he was being sent off to solitary confinement and he was he was terrified. He said, I was at, you know, I, I thought I could be killed. I had no idea what level of torture I'd experience. And he said, I, I read you know, Psalm 23, this verse, he says, as I read, you know, the verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He said this incredible, it's going to be okay. God, it's like this supernatural peace came. And I think we get that through scripture. And again, I think prayer is so important. And then of course, community, our relationships, when we're hanging out together, that we're reminding ourselves, I'm not on my own. I don't need to figure this out on my own. You know, God's called us to be a family which together we can share one another's burdens. We can encourage each other when we're down. Someone else can kind of speak life over you. And I know there have been particular moments where I have felt so, at the end of myself, so overwhelmed. And it's a few close friends just speaking life into me that has brought incredible, incredible peace. So th- that's a few things I, I've t- tried to do. Uh, Cookie, why don't you share with us, again, you know, it's, it's so helpful to be able to hear how peace is cultivated. But as I was saying earlier, there are also stuff going on within us, around us, that will kind of rob that peace, that will pull the rug from under it. Uh, what robs you of peace and, and how, do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah, I think, like you said, fear, doubt, all of these things kind of rob you of peace or all of us from peace. But I think for me personally, where I see it is my pride um, and this level of control where I kind of put myself on a position that is wrongfully higher than God in terms of I trust my own capability more than I trust what he can do. And I think it seems, it's like counterproductive. It seems like that's a good thing to do if you are a control freak out there. It seems like this is good, like I'm handling it, but really what it's doing is like robbing me of a true peace. I think it gives me like a temporary one. We can all have that kind of momentary control, whether it's a self-care day or whatever it is, just a a blank kind of time to just have some space or whatever. But I think I heard, you know how you talk about shalom, that word, I heard someone describe it as the divine presence of God overcoming the leader of chaos. And I think when you hear like that's, that peace is actually such a powerful force and not just a temporary feeling. I I can't do that by myself. I don't have that strength in my own capacity to overcome the leader of chaos alone. And so I think definitely that does hinder me. And I think it's about getting to a place of humility where I can say, okay, God, I, I just need you. I don't know what's going on around me, but I know that your power with me and me acting in step with your will is what's going to bring about peace in my situation. So 
Yeah, I, I definitely think control my pride, thinking I'm better than I am, stronger than I am, definitely hinders me from true peace. But I think getting back to a place of humility can kind of correct that. And I'm thinking as you're speaking of that, those verses where it talks about peace that passes all understanding. Because I know when we've chatted, you know... We, we've shared this shared control, you know, something that we've both talked about together. And I know sometimes my mind can just be coming up with solution, solution, solution. And it's actually what, what I need to remember is actually this piece, it passes my understanding. What, what does that, have you got anything to share on that? Anything that you can think yeah. of specific to that? I mean, just give, just give an example. I mean, we'd studied it with like a gastric group, but I was reading, I think about two weeks ago about Jesus in the garden and he, like, this is when he's like, not my will, and he's praying to the Father. And it says that an angel of the Lord came and strengthened him. And then afterwards, like the next verse it says, but like he was under so much pressure that he, he was still physically under so much tension that like his sweat was like um, drops of blood. And I think when I read that, I just, it just kind of hit me like, wait, how come the angel of the Lord's come strengthen Jesus? And why doesn't he feel like all cool inside, like ready to die on the cross? Like, why is he still under so much pressure? And I think it's moments like that. And even I've had moments in my life where I've really understood that peace is not just this fuzzy feeling. Sometimes it, it might be this inside feeling, but it's just things around you don't look very peaceful. There's still chaos, but it doesn't mean that that's the absence of God's peace, God's presence being there. And so that's way beyond anything that I can understand. It like surpasses my understanding. So yeah. I think that's so good. Tim, um, how, yeah, that's good. Um, how, how has peace been, I don't know what the right word is, but a tool, let's say, how has peace been a tool for discernment, for guiding you in life? Yeah, well, there's that beautiful scripture, Colossians 3, 15, um, which says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And I love the Good News translation that says, the peace that Christ gives is to guide you. And I think one of the questions I get asked most is how do you discern God's will? And after years of trying to navigate this, my best attempt at an answer is, is it's peace. It's peace. I remember a few moments. Uh, I um, had finished uh, a year out. I was in South Africa, been in South Africa, had an amazing year. And I was offered my dream job, which was to go and lead worship at a church in Watford called Sosvava and be a part of uh, the Sosvava Youth Ministries with Mike Pilavachi. Uh, but I'd also got a place to do history at Sheffield University. And I, I came back um, from South Africa and I was like, why bother with history uh, when I can lead worship? It'd be amazing. Um, but my parents thought it'd be amazing for me to study at university, um, get more life experience. Um, and there was this wrestle. And I remember really praying, you know, God, if you're calling me to Watford, to Sosvivo, would you turn up in my sleep with an angel wearing a Watford football shirt? Uh, you know, everything I process is through the lens of football. If it's to be Sheffield and study at university, let them be wearing a Sheffield United kit. Uh, and no angel ever appeared, no football kit. And I was desperately waiting for this key prophetic word. And it didn't come. And, and so I had to go through this process of navigating a, a decision. And in the end, even though everything within me wanted to start 
so as I've Watford, be a worship pastor, even though the thought of three years studying felt costly and I wasn't sure about it, I, I had peace to, to go to university. Um, I, I thought maybe I was letting go of a dream of being a worship leader. Who knew in three years whether I'd be employed again? Um, but I knew there was this peace, this calm that this was the right call. And I'm so glad I, I made that call because... Is at university in my final year. I wrote a song called Here I'm to Worship and doors began to fly open uh, that if I'd, I think, gone straight from my year out to Watford, I could have missed on all of that. Um, I think of another moment. It was actually um, more recent around um, adopting our little baby girl, uh, which we just nearly finished the process of. Um, you were pretty firm in your beliefs that this is what we should do. I was a little bit more nervous. I thought, we've already got four kids. There's quite, quite a lot already, um, a lot going on. And, and um, I was really nervous about the prospect and all that it could involve. And I, I felt a lot of anxiety around it, really. And we'd have these conversations. And when we're having these conversations, I tend to go head in the sand. I don't know if anyone else does this, like denial. Push it away, push it away. But going through the process, you go through lots of, um, courses and training and they give you all the worst case scenarios you know it, it's pretty terrifying but as I sat through being told all of these things about what could happen what might you know unravel the realities of all of this I just felt this amazing peace this incredible peace that this is okay and uh, you know I was, I was waiting all the while for this amazing words, some prophet to stand up, Tim, you know, adoption, yes, you must do it. None of that ever came. I was reading the Bible, trying to get these words, words and scriptures. You know, nothing specific came, but each moment along the journey, this peace came, this peace came. And then the moment where we went to um, meet Summer in the hospital, um, she was a week old, and Rachel went in first, it's during COVID, she had to wear all this PPE gear. Uh, you know, she comes out crying, oh, she's amazing. And I'm, I'm, I was literally freaking out. I'll be honest, freaking out. Um, and I walked in on my own wearing this PPE gear and saw this little bundle and I picked her up. And as throughout the whole process, this incredible peace. It wasn't a... Thus saith the Lord. It wasn't a, like a light bulb moment. It was just a peace. And I held her in my arms and just thought, why am I so afraid of this tiny little bundle of flesh? She's so helpless. And just felt, why on earth would we not do this? This is the most, it's felt like the most natural and obvious thing in the world to do. And of course, there's going to be challenges along the way. But peace, peace guided me. So I, I think it's really important for anyone here navigating huge decisions around jobs, around marriage, around kids, around finances, around locations and geography. We need to be praying. We need to be talking to friends. I think often it's those conversations that lead us as well. But ultimately, where there is peace, go for it. And as Cookie, I think, brilliantly said, for many of us, the reason we don't step into the things God's calling us to is because of control. And we're very good as Christians as being very super spiritual. It's one of the most irritating things in the Christian faith in the church. When people, God's told me, this is what the Lord, you know, you can't argue with that. Uh, but, but there are moments where we're waiting for clarity. We're waiting to feel 100% sure before we step out. Almost every big thing you'll do in your life 
you'll never have 100% clarity. I remember the story of someone asking Mother Teresa to pray for clarity. And she said, I will never, ever pray for that for you. I'll pray that God will give you faith and courage. And I think there's some of us here, you you need faith and courage and you need to trust that the peace of God will navigate and fill you and help you step out into challenging things that he's calling all of us to step into. Just, I mean, that's that's brilliant. Um, Genuinely. What were you you thinking of then while I was pouring my heart out. No, I was thinking this is really good, but the other thing I was thinking <laughs> was, I'm hoping this might be helpful. Somebody asked me yesterday, we were chatting about adoption, uh, and somebody said to me, because I'd said, oh yeah, I was sort of a little quicker to, <laughs> to come to the decision than Tim was, and they said, how did you persuade Tim then? How did you persuade Tim? And I said, I, I didn't try and persuade Tim, I persuaded God to persuade Tim. <laughs> Because I knew that if I tried to, it just wouldn't work. But it, it, had, to, it had to come from God. Well, you, 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 there's a couple of moments you were sort of clutching at straws, I think. We, we were walking down the canal, and there was this mother <laughs> duck. What do you call a mother duck? And then she had five little ducklings. And she said, five ducklings? We've got four, five. It's a sign. It's a sign. Like, I'm going to need more than five ducklings walking along the canal. Anyway, we digress. Um, Cookie, bring, bring us back on track. Uh, I, I'd love, I know we're time-wise, uh, we're coming up against the clock, but I, I want us to talk about this and also have time to pray. Cookie, you have been studying law, and I know from chatting to you, you are passionate about justice, you know, standing up, advocating for those who are being treated unjustly, in, where injustice has taken hold. That's why, that's why you've been studying law. And I know it's in your heart. It's one of the things I love about you. How does justice and peace work alongside each other? Because superficially, you could almost think that they contradict one another, that justice is like this, come on, you know, and peace is, you know, calm. How do they work together in your mind? Yeah, I think I've definitely had to live in that tension. Like, we literally train at school where our teachers are like, this is right, this is wrong, when you're training to be an advocate. And then I did the Gastry Academy alongside that. So then on the Sundays, it would be like, peace, Jesus, like, love and fairies. And it's like, what? Like, what is this tension? Like, is it wrong? I don't, I, I think that justice is like a vehicle to peace. Like, when I think of, like, peace and, like, peace um, making like you said and not peacekeeping it's it's active it's 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 powerful it's not passive it's it's not timid it's like this kingdom advancement like I, I see it as like where there's disorder where there's chaos or things that aren't of God like coming in with kingdom values into this space and when you look at the bible like I think it's psalm 89 where it says righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne it's like God that's kingdom values that's what he wants right like he wants righteousness and justice to thrive so when I stand in that space it's like I can fight to bring that into places where there's chaos and disorder I think where it becomes like a bit tense or like there's an off balance is where my desire for justice is fueled by like anger or like frustration and I think it's okay to be angry I've definitely been angry there's been so just anything on the news like I would be lying if I felt really peaceful there's times where I'm like give them like a live sentence and then some like I really get passionate about it and it's, it's like justified you know what I mean but 
I don't think that's sustainable. I think it's the justice that's fueled by the Spirit of God. That's what's sustainable. And that coming in is the vehicle to bring about true peace. So then I think when I look at justice, not from my own standard of what I think is right or wrong, but like what the Bible says is right or wrong, what God sees as right, is wrong, right or wrong, what I see Jesus, how I see Jesus treat people in the Bible, what he says about loving your neighbor with no ifs, buts or whatever. It's like, I think when I look at that, I can stand and be like, okay, this is the pursuit of this is driving towards peace. It's not intention with it, or it's not like kind of like an off balance. I think it can work like together to advance God's kingdom in a world full of chaos or spaces with chaos. So, yeah. That's amazing. And I mean, this, I'll open this up to, to both of you, but again, then thinking particularly around, I mean, we prayed just earlier about some of the tensions that flared up again through the football, but, and we know that's just, a, that's just an expression of what's there, you know? And um, we, we've, we've seen the spotlight on racial inequality, and again, I'm thinking about peace, and it would be a misunderstanding. This is quite a leading question, but it gives you an opportunity to answer. But it would be a misunderstanding. So unlike you <laughs> to have a leading question. It would be a misunderstanding of peace to think that peace is about, oh, come on, you know, let's all just get on, you know. Let's just sweep under the carpet and let's just get on. But actually, the end goal of peace, reconciliation, there's a process, you mentioned anger. Actually, the expression of pain and anger is part of that process towards peace. How, again, either one of you, how would you, how would you articulate that process? If, if we look at the world around us, let's, let's think particularly about racial injustice, racial inequality. What is the pathway? How do you see the pathway working? You think in the context of this week where you just think, really, you know, we have so far to go. Who wants to? Cookie. Wow, Tim. <laughs> I think it's, it's, yeah, it's definitely hard because I feel like I live that all the time. Like, I don't think I've, I've cracked that. It's just this constant, like, okay, like, what's, what's the process? I think for me, it's having the end goal in sight. Like you say, it is a process and it's like, okay, what do I want to see? And what am I believing that Jesus, when he comes back one day, is going to bring? And it's like this picture of harmony and like love and peace and connection with people. So when we're talking specifically about racial justice, it's like, okay, like I can be like angry and frustrated, but it's about getting alongside people, hashing it out. How do I channel these emotions in a biblical way? Like I think, was it Nick that was talking about how it's not the fruits of the spirit, it's the fruit, and they all kind of play a part. And so when I'm angry or like frustrated, it's like, okay, like where's my patience? Maybe when I'm having conversations about race with people and they're not really getting it, it's like, okay, can I activate some patience here? Can I activate some love, like some kindness, even when I'm like, everybody's racist, like I hate it here. Like, can I be kind to people? And I think that it's looking at, everything in totality like yes like I'm looking towards this piece but there's other things that I can as a Christian am I calling despite whether people and it is wrong but despite whether people judge you because of the color of your skin it's like I still have a duty um it is like that verse in Romans where it says um when it's talking about as far as it depends on me yeah and I think that that's 
that's a real truth. Like, I have to kind of understand that, yes, there is a responsibility on everyone else. Like, as Christians, we're brothers and sisters. So I'm looking at other people like, you're supposed to be better by this standard. But I can only do that confidently if I'm, like, also analyzing myself and being like, okay, what's the standard that I'm living by despite what anyone else is doing to me? It is wrong. It is frustrating. But I do have to get to that place with God and channel it with God and not like social media, you know what I mean? And just putting my head down and being like, okay, God, give me love. Give me, give me joy despite a world full of counter that. And all of those kind of aspects of the fruit working together, it's like my responsibility as well. Um, so yeah, that's what I'd say. Can I, it's so good. I, a couple of things. I think what you said about it starts with us. If we want to be peacemakers, we have to be at peace with God. The uh, philosopher Goethe once said, man sees in the world what he carries in his heart. And if you're carrying unforgiveness, insecurity, whatever it might be, we then see in the world those things that are deep in our hearts. And we then for, therefore see the world in a distorted way. And so being a peacemaker, a reconciler, which is the calling of all of us as the children of God, we need to learn to see ourselves as God sees us. We need to receive his love and affirmation and delight, operate from that place of we're chosen, we're called, we don't have to strive or earn it. We need to recognise that we're called to be um, bridge builders that we carry the authority of Christ the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave lives in us so we don't diminish or go small we walk tall boldly because of what God has spoken over us so we need to understand who, how God sees us we need to make peace with him before we start making peace with others but the thing I'd say about reconciliation and about peace and again Cookie you said it brilliantly it, peace isn't passive it's active and, and it's not kind of fading away, sweeping under the carpet. It's stepping up and it's being bold. And if you want to understand what reconciliation looks like, you cannot have reconciliation without the cross. Jesus ultimately came to reconcile humanity to God. And what did it cost? It cost his life. It was uh, bloody. It was painful. It was agony. It was excruciating. He was tortured. He was misunderstood. He was abused. He was mocked. And yet he kept forgiving. He kept loving. And I think if we want to see reconciliation Take the topic of uh, racial discrimination and just the horror. You know, we were speaking when we were just sickened by the grim reality that still exists in our country. And, you know, we say, oh, it's just a few. It's deep in our nation. One defeat in a football match which I was devastated by. I'm not here to do it. You know, it's painful. And we see this horrendous response it's deep within us. And so to see an end of racial injustice is going to involve peacemakers. And that involves justice. So when someone is guilty of racial discrimination, trolling someone online, defacing a mural, they need to be brought to justice. And if that involves a prison sentence, they need a prison sentence. They need to be educated. They need to serve a punishment for the crime that they've done. Absolutely. You don't diminish that. You don't get away from that. But also they need to be forgiven. And that's where it's so costly for some of you in this room where you've been mistreated, you've been wronged again and again and again. And it must be so easy for you to get angry, to dismiss everyone, just to carry that deep resentment in your heart. But Jesus 
call to each and every one of us. And you could take this into lots of different settings and contexts you have to forgive. As Jesus did, he had every right to turn his back on humanity, but he didn't. He chose the pathway of forgiveness. And when we bring those together, justice for a wrongdoing, but also forgiveness and a willingness to say, I want to move beyond this. Not pretend it doesn't hurt, not pretend that you haven't caused great damage, but to say we can get beyond this. Then that becomes something beautiful that the world just can't do. You know, so the world's answer is cancel culture. And again, I know this might upset some of you. I don't see how as Christians we can jump in with cancel culture. Jesus didn't cancel anyone. I want to see a challenge culture, 100%. And I know for me, there's some people I follow online I've had to stop following because they wind me up and they cause me to react in a sinful way. So, but cancel culture I just don't see that being a biblical way to respond I think we need to challenge but we need to choose the path of love of reconciliation to be bridge builders peace bringers and it's painful it's messy it involves death to self but it's the model of Jesus Christ so it's not easy but I I think this thing that we're called to has the power to change the world because it's what Jesus did to transform and redeem the world. He laid his life down, was crucified on a cross. Why? So that he could enable us to have peace with our Father. And it's from that peace relationship that we can then begin to extend peace to others. Amen. Um, we want to pray. We want to spend some time praying. And, you know... This is an opportunity for us to say, Holy Spirit, search our hearts. That's what you know, the, the scripture it says, search me, O God. In the Psalms, search me, O God. And that, that's, that's what we want to do. Like I was saying at the beginning, actually sometimes that lack of peace, it's an invitation. It's the Holy Spirit saying, let, let me search your heart. Let's diagnose this together. And the, the, the best news is that not, not only does the Holy Spirit bring the diagnosis, but he also brings the healing. Uh, and so we want to do that. And again, little caveat, sometimes these things are deep and it takes time. We're aware of that. It's not always a quick prayer and on you go. But sometimes it just starts with allowing the Holy Spirit to search us and to, to really, is there, is there unforgiveness? Is there contempt? Is there prejudice in my heart that I need to deal with? Is there control? So why don't we stand together? Um, Kiki, you stay there. And if you're watching online, again, why don't you take this moment as well? You don't need to rush away. You might want to close your eyes or just put your hands out if you want to do that. Or just create a bit of quiet. We're quiet here in the room. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come now. And he's so, he's so gracious Again, whenever, whenever the Holy Spirit, whenever Jesus encounters someone, his, his motivation is always for their good. It's always for their good. Even if he has something challenging to say, even if there's a conviction to be brought, it's always for the person's good. It's always because Jesus is wanting to lead that person to a life that's freer, that, that's... Uh, that's more filled with the, these fruit that we've been looking at. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. In that context, we ask, Holy Spirit, search our hearts. 
Search our hearts. And again, this isn't something where we just need to sort of dig around, you know, concentrate really hard. The Holy Spirit will just highlight something. You don't need to look and dig. Come, Holy Spirit. Just if there's anything for any of us here, anyone online, if you just sense the Holy Spirit highlighting something, you'll know, you'll just sense it now. Be a thought that pops into your head or a person or a situation. Come, Holy Spirit. It might be something that you know has, I was saying, has taken the throne in your life. Something that you've been uh, placing at greater importance than Jesus in your life. And it's, it's creating this sort of sin pattern. Again, the Holy Spirit, I just, I believe the Holy Spirit is now highlighting these things in people's minds right now. And it's a gift. It's an invitation to greater freedom. Come, Holy Spirit, would you do that? I pray for those for whom it's, it's unforgiveness. There's somebody, it might be that you've, you've already had to forgive them a thousand times, but they're there, they're back in your mind again. Maybe it's somebody that you didn't even know you were harboring unforgiveness towards. And again, the Holy Spirit's just highlighted them to you. Use your own words. But again, this is an invitation. It's not an obligation. But you might want to use this moment just to say, I choose to forgive again. I, re I release the offense that they have caused to you, God. And I, I choose to forgive again. And it is a choice when the offense is deep, it is a choice. Come, Holy Spirit. For others, you know you've been caught up in control there's stuff in your life that is not how you want it to be and it's created this lack of peace and you can feel yourself reaching for those control mechanisms and again the Holy Spirit is bringing that to light and it's surrender it's I surrender I surrender to your plan to your will to your goodness God I surrender I surrender Um, I just get uh, this sense, I don't know if it's for someone in the room or for someone that's watching online that is really struggling with anxiety and like we're talking about peace and it's kind of like I just don't have that right now. It's, it's very, um, it, seem, it feels very intense, like it's, it's very, very loud and maybe your notion of peace was this kind of sweet little thing that doesn't seem like it can counteract the emotions that you're feeling at the moment. But I just felt, and, and I feel to pray, but I just felt um, that, that you needed to really take hold of the fact that 
peace is a powerful force. It's, it's not just this flaky thing that you can trust God and you can trust his power to overcome the intensity of what you're feeling. And maybe you're at the point of giving up or feeling frustrated or like, I just, what he has is not gonna be able to deal with what I'm experiencing. But I just, I just feel like God's saying, no, like it's powerful. Peace is powerful. I, I, can, I can meet you there. I can overcome this, like trust in me, like I'm doing a good thing within you. And so I'm just gonna just pray. I don't know. I don't know if you're in here online, whoever, maybe watch back but um, Lord I just pray for for whoever this person is that has just been sitting with just just this anxiety and intensity in, in the mind Lord and um, I just pray God that you would just meet with them that they would know that you are all powerful that you are able and capable of meeting and overcoming all of that intensity and pain that they're experiencing Lord I speak boldly and just ask that you would meet with them there and just provide a peace like we've been speaking about that transcends anything that can be understood. I feel even anything that a doctor can understand. Um, I just pray for that uh, peace, Lord, that just counteracts any, maybe even just feeling like years have been spoken, spoken over you. Like maybe someone said like, for years and years you're going to deal with this. It's going to take ages to come back from this. But Lord, I just, I just pray that you would do in a moment what might with our human eyes be done in years or days or months or whatever. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would meet with them now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to just spend some time worshipping and then we're going to wrap up. We're aware we've gone over, if you're watching online, um, we're aware of the time, but we just want to create a space now just to worship, to lift up our eyes to Jesus, the Prince of Peace. So let's do that. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.